Hi, Wanderlusters, and today we're hitting Sydney. Now, bear with me. I know it's not a wine region, but you're going to be in for a surprise. Welcome to the Wanderlust Podcast. My name's Janine, and I run a wine events business in Canberra. But my real passion is travel and my bucket list is to travel to every wine region in the world. In this series, I'll be exploring some regional Aussie wine destinations. I'll give you some tips whether you're planning a romantic getaway, a girls weekend, or you're dragging the kids along. Pour yourself a glass and let's get exploring. I'd like to start by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. These are the First Nations people in the Sydney region the ones that first came into contact with white people that came to Australia. I'd like to pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging, and extend that to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening. Sydney is the oldest city in Australia. It was colonised in 1788 with a boatload of convicts. Over the last almost 250 years, Sydney has grown and is now a big, busy, sleek, vibrant city. I love it. The famous architecture of the Harbour Bridge, which is just so big and solid. And the Opera House, which is so unique and amazing up close with all the tiny little tiles all over the sails. There's more than 100 beaches in Sydney, from the busy surf beaches like Bondi and Manly to little sheltered alcoves and bays. And of course, the magnificent harbour. One of my favourite things to do in Sydney is to take the ferry somewhere in the harbour. It doesn't matter where, just sailing along, checking out all that beautiful real estate lining the harbour side. And in amongst all this bustling metropolis, there's an urban winery. And I got to sit down with winemaker Alex to find out how a winery ended up in the middle of town. Hi, Alex. Thank you very much for joining me on the Wine Delust podcast today. We're in your beautiful urban winery in the middle of Sydney. I know. It's great, isn't it? Thank you so much for coming and making me part of it. I think you have the best of both worlds here. You have a whole winery and the only thing you don't have is the vineyards, as Absolutely. you're saying. Yeah, even got the winery dog, Stanley, at the moment. <laughs> Stanley is a, is a new, bright addition to, to the family. He likes blue shoes. Loves blue shoes, <laughs> loves, loves every, any, anything new. So you don't have the vineyards, but where do you get your grapes from? So all of my fruit is from the southern part of New South Wales. So I'm looking for cool climate regions, and I was looking to get the varieties that I really want to use from those cool climate regions. So I get fruit from Tumbarumba, the Gundagai region, but much closer to Wagga as a town, and then up into the Hilltops region, so hour and a half northwest of Canberra. And you've just poured us a beautiful glass of Sangiovese. Sangiovese from the Hilltops, uh, so 2020 vintage, uh, which obviously had the possibility of being smoke tainted, but I think you saw as well, there was just slight kind of charriness, but no... Yeah, no kind of smoke taint. So, yeah. It's been pretty popular. You're nearly out of it. Oh, totally out. Yeah, well, basically out now, yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you for sharing your last bottle with me. (laughs) And so what other wines have you got here? You've got um, a rosé. What's that one come from? So from the Hilltops also do the rosé, Riesling uh, from the 2019 vintage. So every year I try and experiment with a variety that I haven't used before. So do you know what sort of wine variety you're going to experiment with next? The current vintage this year, which is... 2022, obviously, it did some Graziano, oh. and you had to say it with a lisp as well, oh, because it was from Spain, uh, but Graziano, yeah, which is really spicy. Yeah, a lot of what that classic white pepper spice, but the looking at it this year, 
minimal oak, again, similar to the Sangiovese, I think will go really well for it and will be pretty much almost a replacement for the Sangio. So plan to bottle that kind of September, October, so only a couple of months in oak and that light fun style again that kind of spring summer style of wine yeah excellent mm. and you were saying you've got some barbera coming out some barbera again from 2020 but that was much bigger in fruit and bigger in style so that was i put into new oak uh and bottling that you know in the next month so after two years in oak mm. um so it's much more of that richer style but it's still savory as well yeah mm. oh, that sounds great from the 2019 vintage it was the riesling mm. and i did the standard table Riesling, uh, as well as taking about a ton altogether and making it into a pet nat. So just fermenting it on skins just for the seven days during ferment and bottling it just at the end of ferment and making that pet nat style. And that was totally preservative free and totally natural, no yeast added or anything. The table Riesling was, I guess you'd say, made in a normal style style, or classical style. Um, a nice dry, really focusing on the lime and texture that can come out of the hilltops. And also out of the hilltops every year I do um, things like Petit Verdot, the Cabernet, Merlot. So things for that Bordeaux blend. And in certain years I would keep that Petit Verdot, for example, by itself. Mm. Um, 19 is a perfect example where, where the last time I kept it by itself because it was such a warmer year, it was able to, be, to show what the variety can do. But I would always bottle some by itself and the rest into that kind of typical Bordeaux blend. Oh, excellent. And speaking of Bordeaux, because you lived in Bordeaux for a little while. Yeah, I lived there for two years, which was great. So um, uh, 2005 and six, which was kind of an extended honeymoon. That's uh, my wife and I moved a week after we got married, wow. uh, moved over there. It was kind of to break up who was going to move first. She was a Sydney girl. I'm from Wagga. And it was, okay, who, who's so going to move first? So we both moved and went to Bordeaux instead. Uh, and then came back to Sydney end of 2006. And that was going to be kind of two years here. And it was during that time that I realised that I could rent space in the people's wineries in the regions, buy fruit from con- contract vineyards down in the regions that I like, and start my own wine label, essentially, Excellent. while living in Sydney. Yeah. yeah. So you were at St. Peter's in the Inner West? Yeah, so started Urban Winery Sydney in 2016. So the, my label, A Retief Wines, I started in 2008. Um, 2016, end of 15, 16, finally really got the concept of the Urban Winery Sydney over the line and just happening. So it had been in the back of my mind for a few years, and then I thought, I was about to turn 40, I thought, look, you know, if I don't do it now, it's never going to happen. So I had to, had to bite the there bullet and start it. There is life after 40. There is life after 40, I found that out, I know, it's amazing. So we opened in St Peter's end of 15, early 16. We're in St Peter's for two and a half years, uh, before moving into where we are now, which is in the entertainment quarter in Moore Park, and as you see, right beside the SCG. Yeah, so very yeah. close to the CBD of Sydney, which is terrific. It really is. Yeah. And there's so much happening around here. You're saying there's a dance studio. Dance studio opposite. Um, there's, uh, apart from restaurants and things that are all coming up within the EQ, there's markets every Wednesday and Saturday. But also, literally, we are right beside the SCG. Yeah. So game day on Saturday, we heard the Swans kicking that final goal to, to win the match on Saturday wow. and uh, the crowd was erupting. So you can hear all that from here, which oh. is wonderful. 
And during the test match as well in January, we you know have a lot of people in, but mainly Swans days and uh, and rugby games are the uh, kind of our busiest Salador and bar days. But also the second Sunday of every month, we open those experiences up to the public. Oh, yes, I yeah. saw some stuff on your website. You can do. Grape stomping. Grape stomping during (laughs) harvest. But, yeah, you come in and kind of essentially help me make the wine. So That sounds awesome. It is. Uh, And so the red wine's obviously fermented on the skins and the seeds because that's where the colour and the tannin come from. Because it's fermenting on the skins and the seeds, you need to mix those skins and seeds through the ferment and keep it constantly wet and keep that kind of wine constantly mixing up with the skins and the seeds as well as squashing those grapes all the way through to help extract that colour and tannin. So on the weekend, Saturday and Sunday, we run a couple of sessions each of those days where people can come in and, look, you can hand mix it if you want, but honestly, I think everyone knows they're here because they want to get their feet dirty and actually jump in the grape. So we do the grape stomping and people jump in and mix it around and and it's just the amount of people we say, this is my bucket list thing, this is amazing, you know, really want to do this. It's it's good fun. Oh, that sounds really fun. Yeah. Yeah. And can you bring kids along to those things? Yeah, absolutely. So no, it's not kids, it's not adults only. Um, So kids we charge at a separate price and obviously, unfortunately, they only drink the soft drink. Oh, yes. now, you were saying you get a lot of your grapes from the southern New South Wales, and that's because that's, it's your homeland, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I grew up down there. So I grew up on a farm just outside of Wagga. Uh, so it was my grandfather's before us. We moved there when I was eight and kind of bought part of the property. But mid-90s, mum and dad decided to plant a vineyard on the property and, and convert a little bit of the land to grapes, which was more of a diversification of what they'd been doing rather than a love of wines and vines. Mm. So they planted four acres of Shiraz, four acres of Cabernet, and I was at home one uni holidays helping Dad plant that. At the time, I'd been in Canberra doing an arts degree, and apologies for anyone who's got an arts degree, but I had no idea where it was going for me. I had no idea what I was going to be doing with it, and was at home planting the vineyard and thought, it sounds like a great future. Uh, so left Canberra, went back to Wagga, studied winemaking at CSU, and have loved it ever since. Oh, that's so cool. Mm. That's great. Yeah. And here you are. So here I am there. now, yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to add in? Just the whole aspect of the cellar door here at Urban Winery Sydney, apart from my wines, we also serve other people's wines, oh, but also right. beers and spirits, but everything is New South Wales. Oh, great. So make sure that everything we serve here, um, as you can see, there's a lineup of cool spirits there, but also other wines, a lot of... Hunter Valley, orange, mudgy wines. Yeah. And that the wines especially change a lot just as to kind of the season as well, but also just what, you know, cool little thing that I found. And even the cheese, charcuterie, pate, all of that stuff is all New South Wales produce as oh, well. fantastic. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So you're really like, yeah, flying the flag for New South Wales. Then. Flying the flag for New South Wales. And it makes a, I mean, as you said, growing up in, in Wagga, you know, on the land, you get that appreciation of what the land can produce and being able to kind of show it to other people. So I think as a state, we produce some amazing wines and food and really just want to showcase everything that, or a lot of what we can do. Oh, that's fantastic. Mm. Thank you so much. I lived in Sydney for about five years when I was a young single girl and I had so much fun. Moving to a city can be tricky making a new social circle. I spoke to another woman who also moved to Sydney when she was young and single, and she's established a fabulous business from setting up social events. And 12 years later, despite COVID, is still flourishing. 
I caught up with Alex Adams, a.k.a. Miss Dallinghurst from Secret Foodies. Thank you very much, Alex, for joining me on the Wine Deluxe podcast today. This is really great to meet you. I heard an interview with you a few years ago and it was so fantastic about all the cool secret foodie things that you were doing. Can you tell us about how it all started off? Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. I love the name of the podcast. It's very, very clever. (laughs) So how Secret Foodies started, gosh, it's been about 12 years now. And my background was sort of in journalism, wound up working in the corporate world somehow. And I just had this moment where I was like, I really want to start writing about bars and restaurants and cool things I'm going and doing and exploring in the city. So I started Eat, Drink, Play with Ms. Darlinghurst. So living in a little two-bedroom apartment in Darlinghurst with a girlfriend of mine. And by day, I was Alex Adams wearing my suit to work. And by night, I was running around and, you know, gallivanting around the town and drinking and eating in all these fabulous places and sharing it on Eat, Drink, Play. And about a year into that, I kind of was inspired by looking for different ways to connect with people. And I'm not talking about, you know, dating or anything like that. It was more about, I'm originally a country girl. So I grew up in the outback of Broken Hill. And I remember when I first came to, I've become so Sydneyfied now. (laughs) When I first came to Sydney, you know, I'd say hello to everyone on the train and I would just, you know, it was just a lot easier. You put myself out there and make new friends. And then you get to the point where you're kind of like, oh, you know, it just becomes hard to meet new people and whether you become complacent or whether you just, you know, it's a hard place to meet new people. Sydney can be very clicky. And so I decided to host a secret dinner party and I invited 10 friends and I said, look, you've just got to bring one person I've never met before. 20 people came. We had a fantastic evening. The thing, the thing was, I think, Hong Kong nights and it was this cool little, it's not there anymore, but it was this cool little um, restaurant wine bar that had just opened up in Potts Point and it was kind of hidden down a laneway. And it used to be um, like, it used to stash all this old porn and like it was, a, it was just a random, in King's Cross, you can imagine. Of it course. was also like <laughs> an underground den where people gambling and whatnot. So we had dinner there. It was great. It was on a Friday night. And then Monday I quit my job. I was like so inspired. I was 25 at the time. I don't know if I'd do it now with, um, you know, a huge mortgage and kids. But at 25, I was like, yes, this is what I'm going to go do. I quit my job and I started Secret Foodies. And so once a month I would just host these events and 20 people would tell 20 people, tell another 20 people. And on the side I was still writing for a drink play. And it kind of just went from there, I guess. It grew very organically, very naturally. And 12 years later, you know, we, we're doing events in multiple cities. Adrian Clay transformed more into a lifestyle website. So worked out how to monetize Adrian Clay. So I guess, you know, that was one thing blogging 12 years ago. It was still so unknown. Yeah. You know, you've got Instagram and TikTok now and people are, you know, monetizing things. But back then it was still very print media focused. So advertisers, whether it was restaurants or beverage brands or, you know, FMCG were advertising mainly with print production. And then I saw such a shift in that dynamic and people pushing more towards digital and online and that space started growing. So we make money through advertising and then obviously secret foodies, you know, being events, we do the one-off events that people can buy tickets to. And then we also have um, a lot of private and corporate events as well. So people could do secret mystery dinners for their pens party or their Christmas party. Good on you. That's so brave to quit your job. 
you'll get another job if it didn't work out and things. So it did work out for you. That's so that's excellent. I reckon it was about five years. I said, oh, I can still go get another job. Mm-hmm. I can still go back and get another job. And I think it was about five years that I went, no, 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 this is my job. Like, yeah. this is what I do now. So, you know, there's a bit of backing yourself and, you know, just going for it. What's the worst that can happen? And, and it's really sweet, actually. We have a lot of people who come, a lot of people come, you know, with a, a group of girlfriends or they come on a, a lot of people come on a date night with their partner. Oh, right. We get quite a few people that come on their own. Yeah, good. And always like, oh, you know, I had to hear about secret foodies. And they're like, well, I love food. I thought this would be a nice way to meet people. And then what's really beautiful is often we'll see those people who came on their own come with someone else who came on their own and they meet up and they've they've got friends and we've got whole groups that come now that were solo diners that book together and sit together and they're so welcoming of new people. And I'm like, yes, this is what it's all about. I love it. People only find out where it's located about two hours beforehand. Yeah, that's it. So you will know the theme, the general theme, and it can vary anywhere from something regional, if it's, you know, Paris to Provence or Taste of Tuscany. We do an annual Christmas in July event, which is really popular. We also do an annual Dinner on Noir, which is like a black tie horror dinner, um, which is very cool. So you'll know the theme, you know how much your ticket is, and you know the general location. And then that's it. You've just got to be prepared to go and you get your text message two hours before with the location and then, yeah, arrive and have a good time. Fairly close to public transport as well, so you can get to it, you know, if you're going to have some drinks. They're usually quite boozy, the events, so, you you know, you want to be able to make sure you can get out of there safely. And speaking of the the boozy part, the, the wines, like do you work with particular wineries or do you have particular partners that you work with? It depends. Every event is totally different and it really comes down to the restaurant and what their, you know, sort mm. of philosophy is and what styles. So we do work with a few larger beverage brands, make things work and keep our ticket, like our ticket prices are normally 120 bucks. We've always managed to keep our prices down. And I guess the way we've done that is by having wine sponsors And then they vary as well in terms of the style. So if it's like a bit of a casual lunch, a bit of a boozy lunch, then it's kind of like, great, we've got these couple of whites, these couple of reds and go for it. If it's a little bit more of a structured dinner, it might be that there's more of a wine pairing Mm. and each wine goes with each dish. Now that you are a mum, can you tell us (laughs) what's your hot tip of um, where to take a kid in Sydney? If people are visiting. Oh, I feel like I'm still working it out myself. It's such a, any mums out there, it's such a transition really of your identity. And, you know, I've had these moments with my uh, partner where I'm like, who am I? You know, here I was Miss Darlinghurst out three, four nights a week. And now I'm, you know, lucky if I get out once a month, it's just so different. A couple of weeks ago, we took Finn just to salt meats, cheese. It's um, tain, and the, but it's nicely done and they do pasta and pizzas and whatnot. So we took him there and there's a very funny video of him eating gnocchi and pizza on my Instagram. Loving it. Just, and didn't even have a kid's fork. He was just getting stuck in with mum's fork. And, oh, that's yeah, great. Yeah. Hopefully number two will be just as good. <laughs> I, I hope so. I hope so. But he's usually pretty good if he's, and we go for lots of baby chinos at cafes and he eats croissants. And yeah, I think, I think you need to still maintain some sort of identity, but I do love it when I'm like, okay, mummy's going to, you're at daycare. Mummy's going to a lunch now by herself. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That's the real luxury, isn't it? Time alone. (laughs) 
Would you like to say anything else about Secret Foodies? COVID's been a funny time, obviously, for the events industry and the hospitality industry in general. So things did slow down a little bit with our events in Melbourne and Queensland. At the moment, we're still doing about one event a month in Sydney. So you can just go, and they do sell out pretty quickly, but you can just go to the website. We've got a Christmas in July is on sale now. That's a really fun one. If you're coming to Sydney at that time, you've got to definitely wear a daggy reindeer jumper. It's awesome fun. And I think with August event up, we're doing uh, like a 1950s jazz soiree event. And you can always follow us on Instagram, Secrets, or on Facebook. Whether it's with a friend, a girlfriend, a partner, or you just come on your own, everyone is welcome. As long as you're a foodie with an open mind and happy to meet new people, you will love it. So some other things to see and do in Sydney. As I mentioned, getting out in the harbour is one of my favourite things to do. You can get the ferry all the way from the city centre, where Circular Quay is, right near the Opera House and the historic centre of the rocks, all the way down to Parramatta. In the city centre, for the kids, there are tons of museums. There's Luna Park and Darling Harbour has a great little water park, which is fun on a warm day. I love visiting Cockatoo Island. It's just a short ferry ride from Circular Quay or Barangaroo, which is near Darling Harbour. It has a convict history and a shipbuilding history. The Harbour Trust looks after it now and you can camp here or you can stay in one of the spectacular heritage houses on site. It's a really wonderful place to stay because you're encircled by the beautiful harbour and you have views all around. There's also some cafes and restaurants on the island. But something to keep an eye out for is Wine Island. It's an annual event on Clark Island. The event used to go on in November, but COVID threw a spanner in the works and it was on in March this year. You can check the show notes on my website for some links to sites that will have lots of suggestions of what bars and restaurants to check out while you're in town. You don't have to go very far in Sydney to find awesome things to do of any price range. Some quick stats. So Sydney is the most populous city in Australia and it's often the gateway for international guests. It's located on the east coast You can drive north up to Brisbane in about 12 hours or south to Melbourne in about 10 hours. The urban winery is located an easy tram ride from the city centre. The city is full of hotels of various budgets. On the cheaper side, you can find a YHA youth hostel down at the rocks with amazing views from their rooftop. You can camp on Cockatoo Island or the Southern Hotel near Central Station has a great Art Deco vibe on a budget. If you want to splurge, you've definitely come to the right city for that. The Key Grand is at Circular Key. When I stayed there, I spent almost the whole stay on the balcony looking at that beautiful bridge view, something I rarely tire of. There are tons of things to do with kids. For some free stuff, you can head to the gallery, the Australian Museum, or wander around Darling Harbour. If you're on a budget, I would just suggest wandering around And always look up. There's some beautiful architecture in Sydney. You can see the brand new buildings merged with the really old buildings. Really old meaning 200 years in Australia. (laughs) But have a wonderful time in Sydney. And happy wine travels. For everything discussed today, check out the Wine Delust website. And if you're interested in trying some of the wines, we have some events coming up too. And subscribe to my newsletter to find out what else is happening.